Well, good morning, Summit Church. We are so glad that you guys have joined us. Whether you're here at our Oak Ridge location, you're joining us in Kernersville, or for all of you who are joining us online, you have picked a great day to be here as we are celebrating our 10-year birthday for our Oak Ridge location, y'all. How about that? Yes. This is so fantastic, and it's so special for me because I have had the privilege of kind of having a front row seat of all that God has done over these 10 years, from the time it was just a dream and a vision to when we would go and have those conversations there with the principals and assistant principals at Oak Ridge Elementary School to that very first Sunday morning unloading those trailers and setting up and tearing down. Each and every weekend, it sounds exhausting, doesn't it? it? It was. It was really, really exhausting. That's where all this gray hair came from, if you're wondering. It was those seven years of being portable. But then God would lead us to a time where we would purchase this land, do a building campaign, and then we would finish the facility, and then what? The pandemic happened, and it's like, oh, we got to wait a little bit longer, and then we would eventually open the facility. And what God has done over these 10 years is simply Amazing. So I just wanted to take a moment this morning as the Oak Ridge pastor to say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. So many of you have served so greatly over these 10 years. Some of you were a part of those setup and teardown teams, 130 people that helped us launch there on the first Sunday. Thank you so much. I believe God has a special place in heaven for everyone who serves on a portable setup and teardown team. And all of you that did it, you're shaking your head like, thank the Lord, amen. And uh, thank you to all of you in Kernersville. There's so many of you, when the 130 of us left the comfort of our church home, uh, so many of you stepped in and filled into that gap. You started serving and you started giving and you started inviting. Thank you for filling in to that gap that we created when we left there. Thank you so much. For all of you who have given over these 10 years, whether you have been given faithfully every single week or you've been a part of the building campaign or a part of the launch gift to help us come over here and start this, thank you so much to all of you. So many of you have been praying since day one. Our prayer warriors, our men's prayer team gathered three months before we ever launched Oak Ridge and they prayed faithfully and they still do that every single Tuesday morning. Thank you to every one of you who have prayed. Thank you for inviting. The Summit Church would not be what it is without each of you inviting and doing all the things that you've done. So please, again, from the bottom of my heart, just hear me say, thank you so, so much for all that you have done over the last 10 years. And then last but not least, can we just really quick, I know this may feel awkward, but can we at both of our locations, can we just give an applause to God? Because yes, God is simply amazing. None of this is possible without God doing what he did for us. That is the hope of why we do what we do. Now, today, we are continuing in this series called Everyday Jesus. And throughout this series, we're looking at the I am statements that Jesus made about himself. And through this process, he was revealing his heart and the heart of God and who Jesus was to the world. And a lot of times, Jesus used everyday metaphors, just as we heard about in the bumper video, that he would use these everyday metaphors that people in his audience would understand what he was trying to say. And today is no different. We're looking at one of my favorite I am statements that Jesus says, and the metaphor is just extremely clear, even for us some 2,000 years later. Now, before we get to that, I want to ask everybody a quick question. Can you remember a time, maybe in your childhood or as a kid, where you remember, if you're willing to be honest, you remember being a little bit scared of the dark. Any, anybody? 
Okay, no, none of the guys are raising their hand. I, I get it, you're too macho. I get it. Let me just share. Uh, for me, I don't remember necessarily being scared of the darkness as much as I was scared of the perception of what could be in the darkness. You follow me? Let me, let me kind of give you an example. So growing up, um, my bedroom, my brother's bedroom, my parents' bedroom, and we had a bathroom upstairs. And then in the hallway, the steps were kind of open to the downstairs. Well, I can remember as a kid, like uh, getting up in the middle of the night, you know, every once in a while, uh, whether you had to go to the bathroom or maybe you didn't feel good or you had that nightmare. I remember the fear of getting from the comfort of my bedroom to the bathroom or to my parents' room. Now, I knew that if I could get to the bathroom, there was a nightlight that we had in the bathroom. But there was this fear of what could be in the darkness. Anybody tracking with me? I remember as a kid thinking, well, surely there's a boogeyman like on the steps or somebody has broke into our house just coincidental on the night that I have to wake up and go to the bathroom. And he's just waiting there on the steps for me to get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom. And he's gonna kidnap me and take me away. I'll never see my parents again. That was, that was the perception in my mind of darkness. It sounds kind of funny now as an adult. But I would muster up enough courage to get out of my bed and take off running to the bathroom all the way there and then slam the door in the bathroom, probably wake up everybody in the house. Uh, but there was the comfort of once I got to the bathroom that I knew that there was a nightlight. And then I would do my business, muster up enough courage, run back to my bed, slam the door all over again, wake everybody else in the house up again, and then get in the comfort of my bed. You guys probably remember something like that. For all of us, you most likely have some sort of memory of this idea of fear of darkness. Now, here's what I know is true for you and for me is even as adults, we have some type of fear that comes along with the idea of darkness. It's just that now darkness in our minds has changed. Darkness may look like anxiety or depression, or maybe it's a health scare that you're going through, or maybe you're just going through a dark moment where you've lost a loved one in your life. Well, the good news is the I am statement that we are looking at today is meant to give us hope in those types of situations. Let's jump right in and let's see what God's word has to say. John 8, verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said, I am the light of the world. There's that I am statement. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. This big, bold I am statement that Jesus made to those in the crowd there that day was this, I am the light of the world. Now you may be wondering like, but why is that such a big, bold statement? See, I think it's important when we look at scripture, we should always look at the context of what the scripture was written, like when it was written and who it was written to. Now, you need to understand that in this time, at this, this day and time, the resurrection of Jesus has not happened yet, just like we talked about last week. And for those in the audience, for Jesus to say that I am the light of the world, they're going, wait a second, like, all of our life, what we have known by reading the Torah, the Old Testament, that as we know it, is that God is the light of the world. So what, what exactly are you saying here? I mean, who do you think you are by making such a bold claim? And by Jesus saying that I am the light of the world, this was Jesus saying to the people there that he is God, that he is the Messiah that they have been waiting for. And by making this statement, it drove the Pharisees slap crazy, y'all. Let me just tell you, Jesus had a way of always driving the Pharisees crazy. It drove them crazy because it was such a bold 
statement for Jesus to make. Now, I want to look back at the text because I want you to see that what Jesus was saying is that in our life, there are two options for us. The first option is light, and the other option, if we choose not to follow him, is darkness. There was light and darkness as the two options that Jesus was saying. Now, I want you to understand, because I think it's important for us to say, like, as I read this today, I'm looking at this and I'm going, well, if I were being honest, like, I've been following Jesus, like, for a good part of my life, and I feel like I've been walking in the light, but I still experience dark moments. I still experience those times in my life where I, I don't feel like I completely feel God's light in my life. So what's up with that? Is that contradicting what the scripture says? Well, again, if we go to the context and we understand of what Jesus was actually talking about, he wasn't necessarily talking about the circumstantial darkness that you and I experience in our life. Now, the good news is that we can have a hope that comes with that light that helps us get through circumstantial darkness. But what Jesus was more talking about in this context was along the lines of spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness. What Jesus is saying is, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will not have to walk in spiritual darkness. I have come to be the light that leads to life, spiritual life, beyond this life that you know right now. So the context is extremely important. If we go even back to the people, the audience there, they understood this contrast between light and darkness probably better than what you and I do even today. Because for us, we walk into a dark room and we flip on a light switch. For them, light was a huge part of their daily routine. They had all kinds of things that they always had to be thinking through when it came to light. And even for them growing up, what they had read in the Torah and what they had known and been taught all their life is that there was this huge contrast between light and darkness. In fact, if we look all the way back to Genesis, here's what we read in Genesis. Genesis 1, 1, the very beginning of the Bible. Here's what we read. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the entire surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Do you see this, what, what was going on here at the beginning of time? As God created the earth, it says that the earth was empty, it was formless, and it was void. Darkness covered the entire earth. It's funny to me how the, the writer here lumps in together formless, empty, void, and darkness covered the earth. And what I want you to see is that the very next thing that God created in reply, in response to darkness was light. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And from this moment on, that which was formless and empty and void in the earth began to take shape. That which was dark now had light. And from this moment on, darkness was on its heels. So Jesus said, I have come to be the light of the world. Those who follow me do not have to walk in darkness. They will have the light that leads to life. Now, as I was preparing for this message today, I thought, okay, as, 
in 2023, I mean, what does this mean for us? Like if we're thinking about this metaphor of light and like the physical attributes of light, how, could, how would we describe that? So I put together a list of the things that I think about when I think about light to hopefully help us understand what Jesus was saying to his followers and what he is saying to us here today. Now, this is my list. I realize for some of you, you're like, I don't really like that list. Uh, you may add some things to it, but I got the mic, so hang with me, all right? What does light do? What does light do? First thing light does is light pushes back darkness. Now, you've experienced this in your life. If you're ever like in your home at night and you're in a room that is lit, um, not like, you know, lights are on, okay? Cool, everybody's following me. Okay, and you open a door into a dark room, whether it's the bathroom or a closet or a bedroom, and that room is dark and you open the door, what happens? the light begins to infiltrate into the darkness as the door opens, light invades in to the darkness. Have you ever thought that it doesn't happen the other way around? It's not like you open the door where there's darkness and darkness begins to spill into a lit room. No one ever says, hey, do you mind closing the door? The baby's trying to sleep and you're letting too much darkness in. It, it doesn't happen that way. Light pushes back darkness. Next thing that light does is light gives purpose and fulfillment to what is empty and void. As we look back there at Genesis, it says that the earth was empty and void and God's next response to that, what he created, was light. Next is light shows us the way. Now this is probably the metaphor where it's really easy for us to understand. That light shows us the way. Now, Growing up, we would go camping, uh, primitive camping. Anybody in here, campers? Anybody, either location campers? Yeah, a few of you. Okay, we went up on the parkway, the Blue Ridge Mountains in the mountains of Virginia near Floyd, Virginia. Floyd, Virginia, any bluegrass people? I'm telling you, y'all, you're missing out. Friday night jamboree in Floyd, Virginia. It will save your life all over again, okay? If you haven't done it, you should make a trip on a Friday night in the summertime and listen to some bluegrass music in the little town of Floyd, Virginia. But back to my story. So we grew up camping at this primitive campground called Rocky Knob. And what I mean by primitive is that on your site, there was no electricity, there was no water. Now, since then, I've grown up, and now I do the whole glamping thing. You know, I have to take the whole house when we go, and we have all of the things on our site. But at this time, we tent camped, which means... You're sleeping on the ground, baby. I'm just saying, it is, it's awesome. Like, why wouldn't you wanna go live like a homeless person, right? It makes total sense. Anyway, so we grew up camping uh, up at Rocky Knob, and in this campground, in the middle of the campground, there was a bathhouse. Now, when I say bathhouse, that, there was no showers, there was no electricity, there was no hot water, there were a few toilets, and there were a few sinks. And at night, if you needed to go to the bathroom or you're going to brush your teeth, which is what you're supposed to do before you go to bed, then you would have to make that journey from the glow of the campfire, the light and the comfort of the campfire, over to the bathhouse that did not have any light. So you know where I'm going with this. You would have to take a flashlight or a lantern because light would show you the path, the way to get to the bathhouse. And if you didn't do this, you would hear us laughing at you because you're gonna trip and fall over a rock or a root or you're gonna run smack dab into a tree or something. Now, if you didn't grow up camping and you have no idea what I'm talking about, this is still true for us today because every night, if you need to go somewhere in your automobile, your car, your truck, we cut on the headlights. And nowadays, our cars even do it for us, right? 
But the light of the car, it shows us the path so that we can stay between the lines and that we can stay safe. So light shows us the way. Next, light gives perspective and hope to our fears. See, just as a kid in my story, light, if I were to cut the light on the hallway, my perspective of what could have been on the staircase would have went away because now I would have been able to see the light and have a new perspective and have hope over my fear. This also played out very great here recently. My youngest daughter, Carrington, uh, turned 13. And for Carrington's birthday, she decided that she wanted to take a few friends four-wheeler riding. That sounds like a great birthday to me. But to make it a little bit more interesting, my buddy Tony and I, we were like, let's take them four-wheeler riding in the dark. That'd, that'd be so much better, right? Yeah, number one parent of the year here. So. My buddy Tony and I, we get a side-by-side and a four-wheeler, and we take these girls out. It's February, y'all, and it's like late. It's dark. It's a cloudy night. We take these girls out through the path, and of course, the headlights on the four-wheeler are doing exactly what I just talked about. It's showing us the way. But we get out there in the middle of the woods, and we're near this riverbank, and Tony's like, hey, there is a beaver that's built a dam right here. We should cut the four-wheelers off and listen to the water flowing over the dam. Well, I had the bright idea, let's not just cut the four-wheelers off, let's cut the lights off in the middle of the woods. And as you can imagine, these 13-year-old girls, I mean, they start screaming, they're like, ah, what's going on? But what did we do? We, we took away their perspective, and now their imagination began to run, and it's like, what if a coyote comes and eats us? Or, I mean, what all could happen to us? What if somebody falls into the river? Cut the lights back on. Light gives hope and perspective to our fear. And the last but not least, light gives life to things. Now you remember this in school, you read about this whole thing called photosynthesis. I mean, it's a big word for us eating folks, but there was this idea of photosynthesis is that light gives life to plants. Light gives light to plants. And you even know this is true. Hopefully over the weekend, you got outside a little bit because the weather was so beautiful. But even as humans, we get out and we get exposed to the sunlight in order to give us vitamin D. It's, very, it's a nutrient that our body craves and needs. And if you don't do it enough, you end up having to take a supplement in order to help you have enough vitamin D in your life. So this is my list of what light, the physical attributes of light does for you and for me. Now, what Jesus was saying at this time is that I have come to be that for you spiritually. So as we look back over this list now, it becomes, what does Jesus do? And what Jesus does is Jesus pushes back the darkness in each of our lives. Now, this is the part, if we're being honest, is a little bit uncomfortable. Because here's what I know about each of us, including me, is that we all are sinners, y'all. We are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And what I know about our enemy is that our enemy loves to tell us, just Press that down, like hide that sin. Nobody needs to know about that. Don't bring that into the light. Like just keep that down. And we push down sin to the point to where it's not exposed to the light and it lives in the darkness. Now here's what Jesus was saying is that he didn't come necessarily to out you. He's not trying to light up that sin in order to like cause uh, really bad situations in your relationships or in your marriage. He's not trying to get you in all kinds of financial trouble by exposing this. But see, what Jesus understands about light and darkness is that bad things grow in the darkness. 
And by Jesus saying, I've come to illuminate what is dark in your life, what he's saying is the only way that you're ever going to experience life to the fullest is by exposing what is in the darkness and bringing it to light because my light will lead to life. Number two, Jesus' light, the light of the world, gives purpose and fulfillment to what is empty and void in us. You've probably heard this so many times. I hear it so many times as a pastor. As talking to people before their life with Jesus, they say, there was just something missing in my life. There was something that felt empty and void in my life. And can I just be honest with you and tell you exactly the reason that is? It's because you were created by the creator of the one who created the heavens and the earth. And it wasn't by accident. Each of us were created for a purpose and on purpose. And that if you're not walking in that purpose, there is something that's always going to feel empty and void in our life. So Jesus, the light of the world, has came to give purpose and fulfillment to what seems empty and void. Jesus came to show us the way. By the life that he lived, he modeled to us what it means to be a Christ follower. What he modeled to us with this whole idea of grace and truth means and how you and I are called to love others. He modeled this for us. Psalm 119, 105 says that God's word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a path for me to be able to walk. So Jesus, the light of the world, came to show us the way. Jesus came to give us perspective and hope to our fears. I said earlier, I classify this as circumstantial darkness in our life. You and I are going to experience time in our life where things feel dark. Maybe you are going through that right now. You're, you're living in a time right now in your marriage where things feel very dark. Maybe you experience the loss of a loved one and things seem hopeless to you right now. What I want you to understand is that by Jesus coming and giving us this light, this hope, what Jesus is saying is that through an eternal perspective, even in the situations in this life that feels hopeless, we can have hope because our hope is not in today. Our hope is in our Savior for tomorrow. And last but not least, Jesus came to give us life, both here on this earth as well as the life after. Now, just like a plant, you don't expose a plant to the light just once in its life and then take it away and all of a sudden it's like it's good to go. See, that's why this series is called Everyday Jesus. We must come back to the light each and every day in order to be able to live out what God has called us to live, the light that leads to life. So Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I've come to be that for you spiritually. Now, interesting enough, if you look back, Matthew actually records Jesus saying something that on the surface is like, well, it kind of makes you want to scratch your head. You're like, I'm not sure I understand. Like, what Jesus says is to his followers, he says that you are the light of the world. He says that you, his followers, if you are a follower of Jesus, now you are the light of the world. And I, to me, that's like, I'm much more comfortable if it's just Jesus being the light of the world. I mean, the world's kind of dark. I don't know really if I want to be the light to the world. And what Jesus was saying is that I have come to be that light for you, but I'm calling you now as my followers to go and reflect my light to others around you. So if we look back at this list, what does this mean for us? It, it means that as his followers, you and I are called to illuminate what looks dark to others around us. We are called now to give purpose to what is empty and void. 
I believe with everything in me that God has placed people in your path, in your life, at your school, at your workplace, at your gym, in your neighborhood that are experiencing darkness, that have not yet been exposed to the light, and God's plan to reach them is through you being the reflection of himself to them. God calls us to be the light of the world, to show the way for other people around us, to live our life in a way that people see our good deeds and they glorify our heavenly father. See, this is why if you're not serving in any capacity at either one of our locations, this is why you should extremely think about getting involved in family ministries. It's because the next generation desperately needs to know that there is the light of the world. They desperately need people who are willing to show the way for them, to light the way for them to their savior, Jesus. You should consider serving in one of our family ministries. Next, we are called to bring hope and perspective to other people's fears. And through Jesus reflecting Jesus to the world, you and I are called to give life to others. Now, I get it. You can't give people eternal life. But we can point people to the one who can. You and I are called to reflect his light in a way that others see us and they glorify our heavenly father. So here's the bottom line. Jesus is the light of the world and we are the light to the world. Jesus is the light of the world, but you and I as his followers, we are called to reflect his light in a way that the world sees the light. So what does this mean for you today? I believe with everything in me right now in this room, in Kernersville, and those joining us online, I believe right now there are some of you that for the very first time, you need to just accept the light. You need to receive Jesus today as your Lord and Savior and say, God, I've been trying to fill this emptiness and this void on my own. I've been looking to the world to fill something that was never meant to be filled by the world. It was meant to be filled by my creator. And maybe today is your day where you just say, God, I am trusting and following you with my life. God, I'm coming back to you daily. I'm focusing in on you as my savior, as my light, because your light leads to life. Today could be your day. For others of you, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, well, Andy, I've received Jesus as my Lord and savior. And I, I know about this light of the world. But if you were being honest today, you would say, but I haven't been following the path that he's been illuminating for me. Today, you've lost your focus. At some point, you've lost your focus on the light. I wanna give you an illustration, and I hope that this illustration will make sense for all of you joining us in Kernersville and online. We're gonna dim the lights just a little bit, and our tech team is gonna bring up a light here. And in this moment, I want you to see that this light that I'm looking at, this represents the light of the world to us. And see, when we first start following Jesus, we're so focused on the light and we're like, God, I am so grateful for what you've done for me. God, thank you for giving me purpose and what feels empty and void. God, thank you for showing me the way. And everything's great. You feel the warmth of the light and the light is giving you life. See, what I know about all of us, including me, is that eventually, as Paul describes it, we start paying attention to our fleshly desires. And we start shifting. 
And we start walking in what we want, our wants, our desires, what our feelings are. Well, this just feels right. How could it be wrong if it feels so good? And if we're not careful, what happens is we start shifting and drifting so much that our perspective of the light now seems like it's not even present. Maybe that's for you, you're here today and you're like, that's me. Can I just point out that the light is still very present? God has promised he is never going to leave you. He is never going to abandon you. Our problem is that we've lost our focus. And what I know is true is that we can get so far this way that now we've created a shadow. If you notice here on the wall. And what used to seem lit in our life and what used to seem so bright, now we're living in the shadow of our choices. Now our choices are causing darkness around us and we go, where are you at, God? God, I don't feel your presence in my life anymore. And the other thing that I know is true about these shadows that we create is a lot of times, unfortunately, you don't do it intentionally, but the perspective and the proximity of people around us, closest to us, they sometimes live in the shadow of our choices as well. Now, the good thing is there's hope. God's word says that his mercies are new for us each and every day. By his grace and his love and his forgiveness for you, we can begin to refocus our attention back to the light. We say, God, I'm coming back to you today. God, I, I'm done trying to do it my own way. God, I'm focused in on your light. And maybe for some of you today, that's you. Maybe today's the day where you say, God, I'm refocusing my attention back to the light. Maybe for the rest of us, in fact, if you were a Jesus follower, this is to all of us. This is non-negotiable. We are called as his followers to reflect his light to the worlds around us, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces. We are called to reflect his light that others may see us, the light that we live out, and they may glorify our heavenly father that it may point them to the light to the light of the world that leads to life. You see, I want you to understand that this is a reason 10 years ago, back in 2013, this is the reason that 130 people decided that they were gonna leave the comfort of what they knew as a church and they were gonna set out to do something completely different in the triad. They said that they were gonna go to the Northwest Guilford community, they were gonna reflect the light of the world to those around them because there was too much at stake they knew that there were people all around them that were living in emptiness and void and darkness. So they went. And what God did from that moment on is God took 130 people and he turned it into now over a thousand people every single weekend that join us at our Oak Ridge location to worship and receive the light of Jesus. Over 10 years ago, God took 130 people that now has come to 2,500 people that called the Summit Church Oak Ridge their home, y'all. God took 130 people, including kids, 130 including kids, and has now turned it into over 240 peak and kid summer age kids, peak and kid summer age kids only, that are now walking in the light and saying, God, I wanna know more about you. God took 130 people, and he's turned it into over 200 middle school and high school students joining us every single week at our impact services. And God took 130 people, and in the last 10 years, there's been over 200 people who have been baptized. 
and said, I am trusting and following Jesus. Y'all, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Hear me, please don't miss this, lean in. Why do I tell you that? Because I am convinced that God is not done yet. Summit Church, I ask you, what could the next 10 years hold for our church? What stats will someone stand on a stage just like this 10 years from now and share? Because you were willing to, one, focus in on the Creator and walk in His light, and you were willing to reflect His light to others. Sure, there's darkness in the world. There's darkness in our schools. There's darkness in our workplaces and our communities. There's darkness in our families. But God's response to darkness from the very beginning has always been light. And he wants to use you and he wants to use me to reflect his light to those around us. Father, this morning, I thank you that you are the light of the world, God. God, thank you that you are the light to me personally, God. The world seems so big, but God, you are a personal God. God, I thank you that right now in this room, and those that are in Kernersville and those that are joining us online, God, that right now there are people who maybe for the first time are receiving you as their Lord and Savior. God, they're saying, I'm done trying to do this on my own. God, for others of us, maybe we just need to refocus back on the light. We need to come back to you, Father. We need to refocus on who we are in you and the purpose that you have for our life. I pray today that that is happening all over this room. And God, may you use us to reflect your light in a way that people will see our good deeds and glorify you. That Father, you may use our light to draw people back to the light, the light of the world through Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name, the light of the world, that we pray and we thank you. Amen.